All right, y'all, it's spring, and you know what that means. It's time to start planning our summer festival traveling. Yep, it's time to get into my Airbnb bag cross-country, a.k.a. uh, time to visit my homes all across the country. And you know what I never think about? Why not list my own spot on Airbnb and host some folks at my house? I mean, my house is cute. Yes, let's make money while we're spending money. Just trying to help you out, man, because your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Course Love Supreme is a production of iHeartRadio. This classic episode was produced by the team at Pandora. What up? It's Unpaid Bill. On this week's QLS Classic, Peanut Butter Wolf talks about launching the legendary Stone Throw Records, who released albums by Jay Dilla, Mad Villain, and Mad Lib, among many others. He also talks about his own career as an artist and DJ. This is episode number 127 of Quest Love Supreme, and it originally aired on March 20th, 2019. Suprema, su, su, Suprema Roll Call. 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 Can I have a peanut butter? Can I have a peanut butter? Can I have a peanut butter? <laughs> oh, can I have a peanut butter? Suprema, My name is Fonte. Yeah. Damn, damn, Jamario. Yeah. You gotta say what's up. Yeah. To the homie Folerio. Suprema, roll call. Suprema. Suprema Roll Call. My name is Sugar. Yeah. I get around. Yeah. We're at Western Recorders. Yeah. Where they made pet sounds. Wow. Roll call. Oh, shit. Suprema. Su- su- Suprema Roll Call. Suprema. Su- su- Suprema Roll Call. Boss Bill's a DJ. Yeah. Records I devour. Yeah. But there ain't no way in hell. Yeah. I'm spinning for 12 hours. Roll Call. <laughs> Suprema. Suprema roll call. Suprema, su, su, Suprema roll call. It's Laia. Yeah. And Peanut Butter. Yeah. King of indie hip hop. Yeah. There ain't no other. Roll call. Suprema, Suprema roll call. Suprema, Suprema roll call. My name is Peanut Butter. Yeah. And I don't rap. Yeah. If I knew I had to do this. Yeah. That's that. Suprema, 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 Suprema,
Suprema, Suprema Roll Call. Wait, I got it. Steve, you just bodied me with that information. Studio 3, it's open. We're going to look at it in a minute when we're done. Can we just stop the episode now and go? <laughs> no, I've already time. went in, so we can wait. Okay. Yeah, yeah he didn't already post this picture on the gram. Really? Yeah, it's on the gram already. So there's always a uh, uh, chat with Sugar episodes. Yeah, the Sugar live. Network already. They already got it. They got it early. <laughs> Check the shirt, baby. Check the shirt. Founder. Wow. That's amazing. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, this is another episode of Questlove Supreme Road Trip Edition. Yes. Uh, we are live at East West Studios, formerly known as United... Uh, form, I'm sorry. Formerly known as Western <laughs> Recorders. Uh, that's when... They did pet sounds, and we're in Sinatra's room. We did my way and uh, New York, New York, uh, and uh, yeah. something stupid. And I gotta, history. I gotta admit that yeah, the the vibe of the place. Sinatra is... built this place basically. Oh. Or, I mean, somebody else designed it, but uh, he paid so, for it. So and, this and was this here. was his. Uh... Yeah, this was his spot, and the other spot too that we were at United. Uh, both of those were his spots. Previous. Did he pick the couches out there? Because they seem really Sinatra-ish. Uh, no. <laughs> all the studios here are basically uh, as they were back in the day. Uh, but everything in- outside. Including the hallway that no, seemed like yeah, somehow the shining. I thought it was going to be an intervention talk for a mirror or, you know. Amir yeah. thought I was setting them up. That's the real thing. Yeah, like Amir, we're here to tell you that you can only have seven jobs. No, so. <laughs> bro, the the pet sounds room though looks just like it does, like it does in all the pictures and documentaries. It's incredible. So, wow, well, different console, but the but you know you they can had tell. to keep that intact. Probably, yeah. His podium is right in there where he, I think, where he conducted from. In, in uh, Sinatra's, yeah, Sinatra's podium. That is Sinatra's podium? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I thought you were praying over there. <laughs> oh, no, nah, I was on FaceTime. I was caking with my wife. Yes, but I was just, I, I, I was caking, you know, but uh, no, nah, I didn't want to step up there. I didn't want to fuck nothing up. <laughs> oh, you, you wasn't lamping on that, nah. that, uh, that podium? Nah, nah. Po- podium. Anyway, uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, our special guest today in our, uh, shall I say, our road trip California edition of Quest Love Supreme. Um, the Frank Sinatra edition. Yes, a, a man just as smooth as Francis Albert Sinatra. <laughs> um, I will say, you know, initially uh, his entrance into our world was uh, under the guise of indie hip hop. But when all the smoke clears, I should say that probably um, Stone's Throw is probably one of the most unique uh, boutique creative labels uh in existence going beyond the boundaries of what underground hip-hop was or the stigma of the title underground hip-hop i mean just a lot of my favorite artists that i listen to uh on the daily are on this label i mean from past and uh present and future um of little course. brother wanted to sign to stone's throw word yes for real? Wow, oh, I didn't know that. That was our fucking dream, dude. Please like, listen to my idea. demo style. Like, he, he was juggy. First time I heard that. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, right. In all the years we've known. Yeah, dude. Like, that was like. That's awesome, man. Man, we wanted to. But, yeah. Let's dude. put out the reissue. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk. Hey. Yeah. Let's put out the reissue. <laughs> Did I just say no, that? No, reissue. <laughs> Name them, ladies and gentlemen. Um, Where's the unreleased tracks from back then? <laughs> from Prophet to Tuxedo to Sudan Archives to, of course, uh, my personal guru, Jay Dilla. Uh, Kareem Riggins, uh, DJ Harrison. Um, phew, even, I forgot, even freaking Breakestra. Yeah, the Breakestra. That's yeah. kind of how I met you. Yeah, Breakestra, man. I forgot. Breakestra. Gary Wilson. Gary Wilson, uh, Georgia and Maldro. Um, Steve Arrington even released yeah. his. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, 
Yesterday's new quintet. Quintet. It's always a word I mangle on Questlove Supreme. Caricature. Yeah. Quasimodo. Quasimodo. Loop pack. Shit, man. Next worries. How do you pronounce next? No worries. No worries. No worries. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I always see the yeah, yeah. X. When y'all gonna say this man's name? <laughs> Who is this person? Let's just go down. <laughs> J-Rock. Uh, Percy P. Guilty Simpson. Uh, uh, yeah, I like this. I like this. That's the one. That's the one. Profit. It's so many. Profit. Yes. It's so many artists that I just... You know, shit. Mayor Hawthorne. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, Mayor yeah, Hawthorne and the yeah. Tuxedo Project. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm just saying that when I need to escape from the the madness that is uh, modern music today, um, I look to Stone's Throw to see who's next. And the proprietor of Stone's Throw is here with us. Please welcome to Questlove Supreme, Christopher. Valerio. <laughs> Valerio. <laughs> Man, aka Peanut Butter Wolf. Yes. Yeah. How, how, what's up, man? Few words, one word answers. <laughs> <laughs> how many years are you going to print me? Uh, <laughs> city, right. no, I learned that. I learned that from Mono Neon two days ago. This uh, bass player that I'm oh, you in, interested out. in working with. Yeah, oh, yeah, nice, he's dope. Nice, he's nice. I met him for the first time. It's like it's all like texting up until that point, and texting was all paragraphs, and then talking, it's like one word answers. Wait, like, can I, I tell like you that? that I'm going to do it, that. It is easier to text than it is to talk. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Is that ass that's backwards why, for me? No, that's how it's become. I mean. Absolutely. Yeah, who's because who's talking on the phone anymore? That's so really? Sad. That's sad. And you can edit yourself yeah. when you're texting. Unless it's your parents. Yes. And you yeah. got to text somebody before you talk on the phone. Do you mind if I call you? <laughs> yes, yeah, you I can't do. just call nobody no more. You're the queen of that. Like, I'll be texting you and you'll just, like, <laughs> slits malt liquor bull your way hey, into man. my phone. That's like it's the 90s. Like Bust through like the Kool Aid man. Yeah, and I'm like, no, I got to think about what I'm saying and whatnot. Anyway, um, so what's up, man? Also, uh, a, a fellow, well, you know, for me to mention Ask Vaughn, uh, as I've done in past episodes with with fellow Ask Vaughn, me, me, uh, me and Wolf are kind of part of this the secret society of uh, hip-hop luminaries that kind of just, a, yeah. we, we kind of start off all uh, uh, earnest in our appreciation of hip-hop in, in the name of collaboration, but now it's like... It's it's who can out uh, emoji each other, yeah. It's who can out emoji each other. <laughs> it's mainly it's mainly premiere. It's premiere and, uh, and alchemist. alchemist. Oh, this is the best. So the rest of us are all like, like the Michael Jackson vinyl? popcorn. Like, y'all, like like is it? No, is dude. It, when I tell start, you, yeah, I think that the premiere. Like I'm dreading the day if premiere has an untimely demise, and it's up for up to me to write something like notable about <laughs> yeah. his career. Like his achievements and his emoji game, the is, emoji, right? Is, yeah, it's it's far beyond any beat he's ever made in his life. Oh wow! wow. And Alchemist is damn near like a. <laughs> just, Alchemist is the sticker king, and just, yeah, I want to buy his artwork. Yeah, it, really, it, it, we're just it's it's the silliest brotherhood I've ever. Like, but I never knew Premiere had that many like cartoon voices. Like, I don't know why he's not doing cartoons. Yo, and just, like, seriously, quitting hip hop. I'm literally one second. I'm working on an animated series right now, and I'm like Please. one second away from approaching. Just have him be all of them. If, all, if, the, if, all the characters. If if if, if, if unpaid bill were here, I'd tell him to hire him on Sesame Street. So wow. wait, he does voice memos on your group text? Is that Dude, what y'all saying? It's oh. 
<laughs> it's beyond the great, the like great premieres talent for <laughs> cartoon voices. <laughs> wow. And I mean like three, four in the morning wow. is is some next shit. So yeah, uh, Wolf is part of the the uh the, the Ask Vaughn uh brotherhood of Yes, and I have a lot of friends who are like wishing they were part of it. Like other like musician, you know, DJs, hip hop. If I could fit more No, no, it's cool. <laughs> <laughs> I like having one. Oh, up we on can't that. let Diplo we we, we, we should add J Rock, maybe, but <coughs> I want J Rock's quiet anyway, so no, we you just uh, sit there like raging everybody. I never explained to Diplo why we had to kick him out the chat. Because well, Diplo <laughs> left and then he came back and then. Well, I kicked him out because we gained. Out, it's almost like the, the the trade. Like we traded Diplo for uh, who joined us late? Like Buckwild. It was someone Jimmy that Jam. Oh well, no, that was a different one. How yeah. many people are in this group? I ain't lying. You, you, Thirty. You can only have twenty five people in the chat. So I'm guessing okay. nobody has a droid because y'all are y'all cool. Well, Jeff, Jazzy, no, no Jeff green left boxes. us because no he... No green boxes. <laughs> you don't respect Jeff, green either? What's that? You don't respect uh, any... That was any, me that said that. Green Having a green box, somebody text somebody with a joy, or if you get in a group chat, oh, and somebody oh, oh. got a joy, and they fuck up the whole chat. Yeah, because they got to have a separate conversation because yeah. they can't get in yours because they got a different... You know, I think system. I'm showing my age. I don't even know what that is. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> you got an iPhone. I got an iPhone. Don't yeah. worry about yeah, it. Yeah, you you blue box. Yeah, if someone with a with a droid texts you, the their text okay. Which is why Jazzy oh, Jeff had to drop oh, out oh, because Jazzy oh. Jeff left iPhone to go to back to. I Detroit. didn't even know that. Okay, he betrayed us. So th- there goes the invite. Well, to I the- was BlackBerry for so many years. How many BlackBerry users back in the early 2000s? I met a comedian last night uh, who he purposely uh, got a BlackBerry so that. He could stop his writer's block. He's he had really? to turn and yeah he he's been working on his book for now four years and he blames his ADD uh, uh, attention a- to his iPhone. So in order to wean himself off of entertainment, uh, he's gotten rid of his iPhone and will only do BlackBerry, which takes away his gifs and his memes and you know oh, right, just right. the time that he wastes. Well, your guy Jack White, right? I was hearing the thing that he said that he doesn't have a phone or something. Yeah, but you know, eccentric people. Kanye don't have one. Can I do that, guys? Like, can I give rid of my phone? I don't no. think you could. I don't no. think you could. You got no. too many jobs. Yeah, and you like texting. You don't like talking. So what you gonna do? Yeah. <laughs> Disappear. No. <laughs> anyway, so how you doing today? I'm great. <laughs> <laughs> got my water. What'd you do today? You know what? So I visit. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna start backwards because I visited Stone's Throw headquarters, mm-hmm. and I was genuinely surprised at how professional the atmosphere was. Really? Like the only thing missing if you if you're a fan of um, it's always sunny in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Kind of like the, uh, the 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 music that that like that that sunny happy music that they always use as as background music on that show. Mm. That's the atmosphere I felt I was in when I was walking pet. Like I was like, "Yo, you, you guys have like a staff and it I looks like the set of Mad Men." I love like, coming to work right now. Yeah, things are really good. I, I miss it. I want to walk through there again. Like, <laughs> you want to come back? <laughs> so, w- how long have you guys been in that uh, that building? I'm just yeah, yeah. Fifteen years. It's like it started kind of. We just had one room, and then as we kind of expanded, we grabbed another, 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 and yeah. So. Just little, yeah, just gradual thing. It's kind of well. That whole neighborhood is a vibe because even your next door neighbors yeah. with 
uh, Shahid well, and yeah, Adrian and, Young and Shahid, their studio. Well, it's, I think it's Adrian's, but uh, mm-hmm. maybe yeah, Adrian. Uh, Shahid. What part I mean, of, Shahid's like yeah. What part of LA crew. is it? It's called Highland Park, so it's pretty close to downtown. You guys yeah. got studios in the, in that complex, or is it office? We space have a or? studio in ours, oh. and then yeah, Adrian's is next door. Wow. Yeah, it's it's official, man. Like every I and we I got a imagine. bar. And we're opening a record bar. That's yeah. So wait, are y'all y'all are legit? Like the big? Are you the biggest indie hip hop situation or indie situation right now? Because it sounds huge. Um, like compared no, to I mean, others. They, yeah, I mean, we're not like like as big as Kendrick Lamar's label or any of that. But like, yeah, but like y'all are probably the longest have, lasting. I say, yeah, you guys are probably neck and neck with Jack White's situation with uh, Third Man. Third Man. I think because even his label, his operation in Nashville is sort of similar where, yeah, you know, I think it's more about, it's less about the artist and more about the the label. So what, uh, what, what do you, what year do you consider the actual first stone's throw release? Yeah. Um, well with the name stone's throw was in 96. I, I actually, I did, I was, I started a label in 1990 and put out, like one 12 inch single that flopped. And then at that point I was like, I don't want to do the label thing. And I, I started working with the NMC charisma mm-hmm. and then, yeah, he passed away. And then I, I went back to the label thing. I just, you know, didn't want to be an artist anymore at that point. Really. How do you, well, what discouraged you from continuing the artist thing? Yeah. Uh, losing my friend. I didn't, I didn't want to be on stage with someone else. And, you know, I was just not really, it didn't feel right. So were you rhyming or were you DJing? No, I was DJing. Did you not hear no, no, his Yeah, did you not hear my rap? <laughs> no, um, yeah, no, I DJed and I, I made all the music back then. I, I used the Insonic EPS, which was like a big, yeah, like, I, yeah, I remember this. Time. Yeah, workstation and because um, you ended up putting that record out, right? You ended up putting the. Well, you, I put out Christmas record Christmas after record, he passed. Yeah. yeah, he passed in '93, and then we were signed to Hollywood Basics at the time, which was yeah, that was the, nice the Disney. Disney, yeah. What but was, it was that like? But it was Funk and Klein, though. So Funk Dave and Klein, Klein, like, do you know Funk and Klein, or did you know who he was? Or? I knew. I've heard of Dave Funk and Klein, but he what kinda, was it like? Because I, also Pharaoh and uh, I mean, our checks had Mickey Mouse on them, so that <laughs> seriously, that, like, wow, they really did. Wow. Have yeah. you saved one? I probably have one, yeah. I yeah, I remember. I, I, I remember save Hollywood everything. Basic, they had it was Lifers Organized and Confusion Lifers, organized, and Lifers Group. Yeah. Lifers Group was yeah. on a they Disney were, label, and yeah. they made they made a Lifers Group soap on a rope, and then I, I don't somehow it got wow. like it got canned. So then they they <laughs> had all the soap, and so they made it an Organized Confusion soap on a rope, and that didn't make Which sense. Makes no like, sense at all. Yeah. Right. That, so that was the promo. <laughs> that was the promo for Wait, the organized the confusion. Wifers kill, destroy, stress. Wait, you telling me? I have the, the I have the soap on a rope still. Go ahead, sorry. And to, for our listeners out there, Lifers Group was a group of ex-cons that formed. No, 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 no. No, they were in prison. They were in jail. Current cons. Yeah. Them niggas was locked up. Yeah, they, they were, were in prison. They could they still were, be in jail for all we know. They were called Lifers, Lifers Group. group. Life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Wait, how did they? They recorded in jail. They recorded yeah. album in jail. I guess they was in the rec room what? or whatever. I thought yeah. Ty Dolla Signs did that first. What recorded in jail? Yeah. Well, you he, forgot about Shine too. Oh, Shine, Shine, yeah. No, Lifers Group had an actual studio. I guess they recorded in jail and yeah, yeah, yeah. yikes! So what, yeah, so they had them. And there was then a they video, had, there oh, was a video for Lifers Group too, wasn't yep, there? They had yeah, a video. I can't yeah. remember. They who recorded their video in jail. In but jail. that's how DJ Shadow got it started. He did a remix for them, and his manager was my manager. So oh, okay. that was kind of the connection. They, that's why we both ended up on Hollywood Basic. 
But is, basic, I actually, so Charisma is a rapper I worked with, and the guy, um, Money B from Digital Underground, was always playing our tape, and he told the, that label. Oh, that's right, because Raw Fusion was signed. Raw Fusion. Fusion. So that was his side project, was yeah. Raw Fusion. So that was my first time traveling out of the country, was we went to Germany, and, you know, we were kids, and just, it was incredible. Who else was on that tour? It was me, well, me and Charisma, um, this rapper, Heisey, this West Coast rapper, it was kind of part of DJ Quick's crew, and then... Um, Scandalous. Raw Fugitives. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Scandalous yeah, records. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I see. What, um, for the, for those that don't know, and actually for me, like what, for you coming into hip hop, like what was the, the experiences, the, I mean, did you have like, mm-hmm. from the New York perspective, I know that most people have right. like a park jam and that sort of thing, but yeah. Were you going to no, like we were Uncle outsiders. Jam's roller skating? Were no, you- I was living in San Jose. There was no hip hop uh, scene really there. I mean, they, the break, the break dancing, I guess a little bit. Um, you we, were born there, right? No, I, I moved there when I was six years old, though. So damn near born there. But and how many years did you? Till I was twenty-five. So first okay. twenty years. Can you explain something to me? Yes. San Jose has a very, very unique homeless situation that I've never seen in any other city in the United States. Not because the the the, the amount of volume of people that are homeless, mm-hmm. but it's almost like usually whatever, whenever venue that we've ever played in San Jose, it's like it's, it's college professors and this kind of I didn't even notice that. Dropout. Oh my God. It's But I, I don't I haven't been to San Jose that often like lately. I mean I've been there I've been gone since ninety five, I guess, but I, I go to visit family, but I just ne- I needed someone to explain to me like why is the the this whole dropout of society well like, San start Jose. as a professional and drop out of society kind of Right. But I mean, yeah, I don't know. I was gonna just say that like the cost of living there just skyrocketed after you know the the internet boom and stuff like all the i mean the guy that went to high school with me started yahoo and he was like a a billionaire so and he was like one year older than me and i was like in his early 20s i think when he started it were you nice to him in high school (laughs) (laughs) he was one year older than me but yeah my my stepmom actually worked for him and she said oh i asked him about you he remember you but you know i I wasn't really yeah i didn't know him like that okay so what what were your hip-hop uh experiences my experiences early yeah i mean i remember going to chuck e cheese and um they would have break dance contests and stuff there but it was all you know it was more like breaking what? in the quad pop locking i mean we had the pop locking more on the on the west coast you know i love hearing a chuck e cheese story that didn't end in violence right the martin luther king of i mean i yeah. just remember walking there as a 15 year old and then walking home and i ended up not getting home till four in the morning i thought i was gonna get my ass beat but like i snuck in and my parents didn't hear me but i mean egyptian lover was an early show that i went to like that was 85 um i went to the fresh fest stuff like that but I, you know i guess i i learned about hip-hop uh i was into like funk and soul and then like I didn't know like the elements or anything, but like Rapper's Light when that came out, like and even like Double Dash Bus, like to me, I thought that was hip hop as a kid. I didn't know the difference really. Like they're just both rapping over a disco trap. Oh, okay. And then kind of learned a little later. So it wasn't like older cousins or an uncle that sort of trickled down the information to you. Like who? No, I'm the who older were your uncle. mentors. <laughs> I'm the older <laughs> uncle. Oh, okay. My, I mean, my yeah, my parents. Uh, my dad was into Sinatra. You know. Oh, wow. rest in peace to Sinatra and my father but um my mom 
was into show tunes but my 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 mom's dad was a, a jazz uh bass player he he was an upright bassist and he played um actually duke ellington would come to his dad's restaurant and then he let my grandpa play piano and my my grandpa was nine years old and then he just fell in love with jazz after that and played with dizzy gillespie and a lot of you know a lot of the greats but he always struggled my mom had seven brothers and um they were always dirt poor and so my mom didn't really want me going in the music industry because my you know my grandpa never made money in music it was more like a hobby mm -hmm. so but yet you wound up in the same then uh, yeah predicament kind of <laughs> i mean <laughs> i mean honestly like when me and charisma got signed when we got signed to the major label i was still in college and my mom was like you gotta you gotta finish school and you know i was like no nah, i don't i don't care you know where did you go to college uh, i was in um san jose state and i ended up getting my degree in marketing and my label is like I it don't, helps i know or I, did, I wait, well did it, i don't know did it help? i don't was even know because like I, yeah i don't really run my label in a marketing sense so much i think or it's like the anti-marketing label but so you're the herb alpert of maybe this AM operation where you're just yeah i don't know his story what was the well, you know, Moss, Jerry Moss. He was the business guy. Did the right, business right, right. Yeah, the yeah, music yeah. guy. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I'm real passionate about the creative. I, I get into arguments with the guys at the label sometimes about that. But, yeah, no, I mean, I, I leave the business to them more. And, you know, it's the checks and balances I have, like, people all, like, working. And so it's, I don't know. I, I feel like my, my team, I'm I'm really, I trust them and stuff. So Were so, you, oh, good. I was, so how many operation how how big is the stones operation now? like who are the people there's like 10 them? there's like 10 to 12 people like in in our office and okay then, yeah we have some interns and then we have like a small operation in uh europe and then japan and so, so you handle the music and then how many other people you have kind of handling the the business i guess or i mean there's like three or four kind of like doing different aspects of marketing and then yeah just traditional like you know an art director a gm um so with y'all stuff, like in terms of signing artists or putting records out, is it just you find something, you like it, and it's like, yo. That's where I'm pig-headed. I'm like, I like this, and you guys, if, if you don't like it, I'm sorry. But, <laughs> I mean, it's, you know, I'm not like a dictator about it, but like, they, yeah, they're, they're pretty cool. Okay. Like, but I mean, honestly, like, it's, it makes it so much better when the staff likes it too, because they're working in it, you know. Yeah. I mean, if they're not really, if their heart's not into it, then they're not going to work it as hard. So, yeah. From my experiences working at a major label, that is very true. Yeah. And that's why I like the people that I hired. They're really into the same music that I'm into, you know, not necessarily good or bad music, but the same music. Yeah. Because promoting Nelly albums, it's wearing on your soul. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of albums? Nelly. Uh -oh. Yeah. He used to work for Universal back in the day. So, like, now, yeah, now the yeah. question you worked Nelly did you work the Ali Heavy Starch album Oof. or were you no, out by the I, I, I was out by the <laughs> I, I was out by the he was out, yeah. he was out by Heavy Starch yeah. okay alright <laughs> alright y'all you know what season it is tis the season for spring breaking and planning our summer travel and if you're like me you're already in your Airbnb app trying to find which spot is right for you now listen while I'm looking to spend all this money what I'm not doing is thinking about making money with Airbnb. See, you got to change your mind state. Make the money while you're spending the money. How, you say, Laia, do I make the money? Well, you host at your house. And I know what you're thinking. I mean, my whole house? Uh, well, no, you don't have to do your whole house. I mean, you could do a room or, you know, do the whole house. So make some money while you're spending some money this summer. I'm 
trying to tell you, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. So starting starting the but, label. Yeah. One, why did you feel it was necessary to start to your do own that? imprint? I mean, I never wanted to be a label guy, like especially when uh, the, the 4,080 4, rule, you know, record mm-hmm. company people are shady. I'm like, I didn't want to be on that side of it. But um, that's why I joined the music business so I could not be shady. Right. I mean, that was the thing. Like, I, actually, the first several years of Stone Star, I didn't have contracts with any of the artists, and I had a an attorney that was like, "Are you crazy? Like, you, you know, you got to protect yourself." And I'm like, "Oh, I'm all honor system. You know, I know if I treat uh, my artists right, they're gonna stay with me." And when did that backfire? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When did you learn that? <laughs> no, I think. I mean. You know, it's going to backfire with or without a contract if you can only take an artist to a certain level. And, you know, people, it's the, the tendency, I think, is that um, the, the grass is greener, you know, like, mm-hmm. so. I don't think so, though. No? The grass it is never, never is. greener on the other oh, side. Oh, I thought you were saying you don't think people think that way. But, I mean, no, I, I've had people, I have artists leave Stone Soul for major labels and then yeah, come, and then and they they get then come back. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right, yeah, and they come back, but. Well, it's. Um, I mean, I've always been the artist. I mean, the the music fan that kind of jumps around and like I'm always trying to discover the next thing. So for me, like, I, my my homie that I grew up with, we like he would buy all ten art ten albums by the same artist, and I was always looking for something new. And there's not right or wrong in either one. I mean, I, I guess maybe more right is being loyal to that artist and buying all ten albums. But I was always jumping around. So when an artist leaves Stone's Throw, it's still I mean, I, I kind of understand, you know, why they're doing that. And I'm still busy, like, trying to find the next thing. So, Well, yeah, as I said at the top, I think in your specific case, I feel like Stone's Throw, the legacy is almost the star of the operation, as opposed to, you know, if you have a particular fr- franchise artist that shines for a while or whatever, but I feel like, like for me, I'm at the I'm at the rate now where if it's a new artist on Stone's Throw, I trust it because the, you know the logo I, carries yeah, the weight more yeah. so than the artist. Does. Yeah, and well, I you think know, you I and can, I have similar taste in music, so you know I feel good. Like 
showing you my music or the music I'm involved in, and I, I feel like you generally will like it and stuff. But so, in, but in the beginning, did you in '96? Did you imagine that 20 years later it would wind up into the operation that never had a 20 year plan? And I, I I don't know if I would have thought it would have been bigger or smaller or, or if yeah. So when it first started, was it the it was out the trunk in the in the kitchen? We bedroom. started we started like really in the DJ community and the turntablist community specifically like in the Bay Area in the mid to late 90s there was a big turntablism thing happening with Qbert and Scratch Pickles Yeah the whole Scratch Pickles um one of the guys D Styles that was in Qbert's group he he was dating my sister when I was the older brother that was a little like upset. They were like 12 or 13 or something. So <laughs> he was asking me how to teach him how to scratch. And I'm like, no. And then now he like scratches Seriously? like circles wow. around me. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> He'll tell you. He came yeah. to you for lessons? In 85. And, That's like, crazy. I could oh, never, I could never like go where he goes with it. But, you know, he really stuck with that. And I kind of j- jumped around and did di- different things. But um, back to what I was trying to say was in the late 90s, it was really like a lot of. Um, turntablism going on in the bay area that's something that we had to edge over a lot of other areas and mm-hmm. Hubert was putting his records out and we put out this record called super duck breaks and that really yeah it was in all the all the djs would use it in their battles and you would look <laughs> all the noise <laughs> that's, that's, that was always cut number three yeah. <laughs> nah, straight up yeah, but yeah. okay. So but I was gonna say like, well, go ahead. Go no, ahead. no. Go. I'm like trying to lead the interview now. <laughs> no, 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 actually, I want you to. So go ahead, go ahead. No, but like, I just remember, like DJs would watch the other DJs and and it would say Stones Throw on the on the record like really big, and that was just something that the design guy like came up with, and I didn't really think about it, but people would watch these DJs and they would see the Stones Throw really big, and they go, "What is Stones Throw?" And you know, we. So we really like we put out the charisma thing that that had never come out, and the DJs were all using that. And really, me being part of that DJ scene, like that was my Rolodex was only like battle DJs and beat junkies stuff like that. So I'd send them all the records, and they would all support it. And you know, at that time, it was like a vinyl only label. It was before there was iTunes or mm-hmm. any streaming or any of that. So back then, when you're starting a label. How many records would you have to push in order to justify staying in business and not losing money? And because I still feel like it's a very specific small community you have to cater to. Yeah. And if you're, you know, handing me two copies and right. the next act that's in town, two copies, two, you know. Yeah, it was all doubles. But I mean, that's why we sold so many units too. Like you're selling two copies of every record and then. Like uh, the records that the pressing plant we used, uh, they would like wear out really quickly. And I didn't even realize that like Hubert's <laughs> records were at RTI and those uh, ones you can scratch and scratch and it never gets messed up. And we were using rainbow, rainbow? and you, yeah. you scratch it like three times and you ruin the record. So they had to keep, keep coming back them. and buying it over and over again. So like, like apples. <laughs> you got the update. Oh, you want high Sierra? You got to buy a new phone. <laughs> Yeah, that's smart. Keep them coming back. All right, I gotta remember that one. <laughs> so, what was what was the I first? I think we sold a hundred thousand of the the super the breaks or something wow. something crazy like that. You know. So then, to your first official musical release, first of all, what right? What made you decide to to jump just from battle break material right. to? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I. So I was working in a distributor at the time too, and they they were doing mostly house music, and I came to the guy and and um, I said I want to start a hip hop division here, and the company was called TRC, and the guy's like, okay, I'll name ten hip hop releases that you like right now, and I totally froze up. I'm like really bad in interviews, and and I named like three, and he's like, you're gonna start a hip hop division? I can name ten, and I don't even like hip hop. <laughs> so I was like, all right, I didn't get this job, and. You know, I wrote a nice thing afterwards, like, I still think I'm the guy and blah, blah, blah. And, and he hired me. And, like, through that job, I, it really, like, taught me, like, everything I wanted to know about the music industry. And Stone's Throw started out as a, an extension of TRC. But TRC, the problem with that was, like, I was taking all these labels in and selling thousands of units, but they weren't paying, like, the guys, you know, at the head of the distributor were not paying the labels, so it was kind of tarnishing my image or my relationship with guys that I knew, so I kind of jumped out of there, and I started Stone's Throw at that time. So you were almost part of industry rule 40, <laughs> Yeah, 40, I, was becoming, I was becoming the 4081. <laughs> <laughs> and then they well, went under, and they went into porn, and then I don't know what they do wow. now, but... Damn. So what was the first album official album release on on stone star i think well hmm it was this thing called fanatic beats and it was just like a breakbeat record uh just instrumental hip-hop but i mean like more yeah yeah with like rappers like yeah. uh, or with uh vocalists, rappers, vocalists yeah. on top like i think rasco was one of the early ones and was the cali the cali agent resident cali agents, that wasn't on you guys you no know, but okay. Ras cali agents are two guys rasco and, and uh, planet, planet asia, asia yeah. and then asia I, I did an artist album called My Vinyl Weighs a Ton in like 97, around like the early days of Stone's Throw. And I had Planet Asia on two tracks on that. And that was kind of like what started like his stuff. And then I remember he was on Dre's. Well, the Dre thing happened later, but he was on Sway. He was on Sway and they, they had him battle against Eminem. And that that was like Eminem's first time on the radio and he blew up. And then oh, wow. Asia kind of got noticed from that too. So for at least my perception of what underground hip hop was at the time, what were your feelings of being sort of pegged with every, because there was such an, an uprising, especially with fat beats developing in New yeah, York raucous. and LA and stuff yeah, yeah. and raucous and everything. So and that but how were you I able to, to get elbow room just to, in such a crowded space? Um, well, I mean, the early days, like we didn't get much play on New York radio i i know Premier did he played not even with uh stretching bobito well bobito yeah they they did they they supported some of our stuff but i remember like the quasimodo they didn't support and i was like all upset about it but um <laughs> really yeah what was the promo like probably did eventually i don't know well i mean there was a period especially when stretch armstrong left mm -hmm. uh the show I try to keep up with Bobito, like, you know, because I was one of those listeners that would listen to the show mm -hmm. and, you know, whatever he played and he would mention who, he, you know, I'd go out and buy it. And yeah. then I'd go to Fat Beats, especially back then, like, because Rich Medina had his own Fat Beats division in Philly. And yep. Rich would just give me, like, $700 worth of underground hip hop that I wouldn't even open. Like, it was just too overwhelming. Are you still sitting on those records? Or? Yeah, hell yeah. I'm still sitting on them. Like I I I know that any underground indie release between '96 and 2002, like I just took them because I, I just go to Rich Medina and be like, all right, give me what I need. Okay, you need two of these and six of these and two of these and da 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 da. 
which is how I ran to the, the Lupac thing. Right. I was going to say maybe Lupac was the first thing that like probably stretching Bobito and, you know. Oh, okay. And how did you meet those guys? How did the Lupac connection, how did that? Well, I was happen? listening to college radio and they were playing a Lupac song. So Lupac, um, the label was funded by Mad Lib's dad. And wow. yeah, Mad Lib's dad was a soul singer in the 60s that is, makes really like good, like sweet soul stuff. Um, I have a story about that too, but tell it. Uh, no, tell it. Tell it. <laughs> well, I mean, I just I was just thinking as I was talking about it. Like I remember I was in a record store with Madlib in the UK, and it was like just a lot of they were playing a lot of old soul, and we, you know we were buying records. We were in there for maybe three or four hours, and then Madlib's dad's song comes on, and Madlib's like, "Hey, that's my dad." Like he told the the <laughs> record store guy, like Madlib is he'll never brag about anything that. He does, you know, he's always like really low key, but because it was his dad, he's like, that's my dad. And the guy's all, you're Otis Jackson's son. I can't <laughs> believe this. I'm meeting Otis Jackson's son. And wow. it was cool to hear Madlib, you know, as a son rather than like yeah, this guy. Yeah. yeah. I want my daddy's records. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so his his dad put out the the first 12 inch and they didn't have any distribution and i heard it on the radio and i i called the radio dj and i was like what is this i want this for the distributorship wow. and so i got the number i called what ended up being madlib's dad and you know he was super sweet super cool dude and i told him about my label and stuff too and they i, I was up in the bay area at the time and they drove up to the bay to, to meet with me and you know that's that's kind of just how it started i guess was it northern soul or like what kind of music was he it was kind of northern soul i guess yeah <clears throat> okay um so with the lupac project which is i'll say like the first time i mean that's even how though you found out about yeah even though that was, I, I'm, I, that was why i started too that yeah was my yeah, first yeah. even though i'm i'm borderline certain that i have been collecting from all those fat beat trips mm-hmm but my my Lupac story, you know, for all of my like Dilla is God right. folklore I've ever had, yeah, I still crack up at the seven days where I finally saw him as a human being, yeah, and you know, he, he, it was a two a.m. call, and I thought, okay, either I let somebody. A producer I won't name right now. Uh, <laughs> get his B tape. Oh, I know who you're talking about. Now. Exactly. <laughs> and he was just like, yo, man. And I'm like thinking, like for him to yo, man me, I was like, yo, I'm in trouble. And he's like, yo, man, I got to talk to you. And who yo, like, man, you? Dilla or this other guy? Dilla. Okay. And I thought, oh, man, I'm fucked up. Who did I? Did he read an OK Player post? Or I was just like, what did I do? He's like, dog, man, I'm, I'm fucked up, man. He's like, I met my match, man. I, it's just fucking with me. And I was like, what? He's like, dog, man. Loot pack. And I was like, who? <laughs> He's like, loot pack, man. You got to get it. So the next day, I went to Fat Beats and got like four copies of it. Wow. And D. Okay. D. Um, I know you about. D'Angelo, what? I'm trying to figure out what song were we working on this is like the end this is like in the voodoo it was it 98 what it was around 98 album? yeah it was 98 yeah so this was 
I know a good portion of '98 was just waiting for Lauren to come up with whatever song she was gonna not do, not do yeah, for not, us, not clear. <laughs> <laughs> and um, we sat there. I was like, "Yo, man, this." I, my quote was, "Yo, this album is Dilla's Kryptonite." Like, right. <laughs> like this yeah. is fucking him up. He's just fuck up in the game. Yeah. And the thing was, we didn't get it at the time. Yeah. Like it was just a language I we sat and listened to it twice. Right. And it wasn't resonating. He was like, well, this isn't, you know, because we were like deep in the Dilla funk by then. We were right. like, we just don't get. And when I asked, I said, so what elements are in this that's really fucking with you, right? And he's like, yo, he's speaking my language. Like whoever's, mm-hmm. Matt Lib is speaking my language right now. Yeah. And so I'm saying like, so are there, is there intricate stuff that us mere mortals can't see that he's like, absolutely. He's like, he's doing stuff in this in the in his twelve hundred yeah. that yeah. only all I would think to do. Yeah. And yeah, the fact that he was making the limitations of a twelve hundred, yeah. Yeah. It's like what ten seconds, ten and a half or something yeah. crazy like yeah. that. Yeah, so I mean it it took me a while to get to but then it kind of wanted on to because the thing was I was like, damn, if I can't see what he sees, then I'm so below on Yeah. The level, so I just kept listening, record, and kept listening, and then I just became a genuine fan of Matt and anything. Right. And then you started sending me. Well, one of one of the artists that I was working with at the time, one of the other rappers, like he didn't understand it either, and he's all, "You're signing this? <laughs> you signing these sucker MCs?" And you like, he's like, he was like all really like more on the you know the lyricism stuff, but like they were just more like creating a fun feel. vibe. Yeah, yeah, it was a yeah. feel. It was a feeling. Yeah, the first time we came to uh, when Little Brother first came to. LA, um, we did like an in store at Stacks in Cerritos that used to. I don't even think the store is there anymore. It was a vinyl store. Yeah, I remember Stacks. Yeah, yep. Stacks. It was out there. And uh, Oh No and Wild Child yep. came and they came and showed us love. And that was I, that was my first time meeting them. Right. And I was like, yo, man, that sound pieces, like that was, it fucked us up too. Like yeah. we were, that was one of the records when we were making the listening that mm-hmm. we were listening to. And it was like, yeah, like this is, this is it. Well, I, I was going through the demos recently. Like the demo versions were all just recorded, you know, the way Madlib wanted it. And then we went into like a bigger studio, and they like they multi-tracked everything and mixed it different. And Madlib is like just kind of the nicest guy. Like he won't speak up for what he wants sometimes, so you never really know what he wants. And at least he was back then. And so the engineer that did Loop Pack he mixed it a lot differently than the way Madlib's demo sounded. And Madlib cannot listen to the Lupac album. He hates it because what? Of, because of the sound sonically of it. Like it, everything's too perfect too and clean, clean yeah. for him. Yeah. So like after <laughs> Wait, that. Wait, what? So, <laughs> <laughs> clean, clean for the 1200 maybe. But, yeah. but after that, like everything was, he would never give people multi-tracks. So, you know, I, yeah, I was trying to get real. Madlib yeah. beats to like Nas and Q-Tip and, you know, people of the time and whatever it, it is, couldn't, it couldn't it happen is. because he, he wouldn't, he couldn't multi-track it. And I remember Adela, like, you know, when they did the shopping bags, yeah. like they wrote to it after I gave them the, just the two track of it. And then they're like, all right, we need the multis. And like, there are no multis. And, and so they were like upset with me. Like I was kind of caught in the middle because, you know, it was a miscommunication where they assumed that I was going to give a Maltese on it. Yeah, every time I've ever done something with Madlib, it's the same thing. It's always, it's yeah. Just, and you just know, like, whatever it is, that's yeah. what it is, which I fuck with. Because yeah. it's like, I mean, if that's, it works, yeah. it works. I mean, Absolutely. we don't got to redo it. So That's how that's how Mad Villain was recreated, or was created, was not recreated. Um, that's how, you know, J-Lib, like, pretty much all the Quasimodo, all that stuff. 
So describe him as an artist. Like, what was it that you saw in him that really resonated and screamed? What I saw the most is that I just found myself going back to his music and listening to it over and over. Like, I, I had choices of what I could listen to, either, whether it's Mad Lib or something that's out on a label or you know, someone else's demo that I'm working with. And I just, on my personal time, I was always listening to his stuff. And he had so much of it, too. And, you know, I think that's why we eventually, like, were like, well, who else do you want to work with besides your immediate crew? Because you just have so much music. There's so many albums that we can, you know, help you bring to fruition. Because he was always, like, shy, not really, you know, he would, like, in Loot Pack, like, Wild Child was the really outgoing one, like, you know, he would go to shows and go to the artist. Hey, I'm Wild Child. You know, this is blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And Madlib was always just in the background. So, you know, when Madlib told me he wanted to work with Doom and Dilla, then that was our job to, you know, find those two guys and make it happen. So how did uh, you find Doom and bring him to the fold? And what was the... <laughs> right. Yeah, well, Doom, I mean, yeah. And are we sure that that was Doom the album and not an imposter? <laughs> not the imposter. <laughs> well, there's a whole other version of the album. I don't know if you ever heard it, but originally Doom rapped the whole album in like a hype tone. And oh, wow. Yeah, and then that version leaked. And I don't know if Doom just felt like since it leaked, he was going to redo the whole album or if, I, I don't know. But for whatever reason, he like went back and did the whole album in a laid back way and you know, the initial response was like, oh, I liked him better hype. Why'd he do it? He ruined it. And never But then the for the version. people who never heard the, the hype version, they, they really responded to it. Was it the retarded hard, hard copy yeah, version? Yeah, I think that's okay. what it's called. Yeah. yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. But that album, J-Lib, um, Quaz, and several other albums were all done at the same time using 150 beats that Madlib had put on three CDs. It was like 50 beats per CD. And it was all like 30 second snippets and stuff. What was his work process like to do it? Because his beats are intricate, not. Uh, and they're all like, done me... so quickly. And he used to live with another producer, um, you know, and that, that other producer would spend so much time on a track and Madlib would hear through the walls the same song over and over again. And he would get so like frustrated and like, you know, like sick of hearing the same song. And so Madlib's, he just, everything is like, 10, 20 minutes, and then on to the next track, on to the next track, you know. So when he brought you Quasimodo, like, yeah, what do you do with that? <laughs> like, well, I mean, Quasimodo, yeah, that was like on the back. And that Wild Child gave me like a loop pack tape, you know, and then Quasimodo happened to be on the back. And then I asked Madlib about Quasimodo, and he's like, oh, you weren't supposed to hear that. Like, he was embarrassed or like, oh, and then I was like, no, I want to do that. Like, I love that. Like, you know. <laughs> yeah. Unseen is still one of my favorite albums. Nah, that's the one. Yeah, that shit hard. And that was on, that was to cassette, and the the engineer didn't want to mix it because he didn't want his name on it, you know. Because like <laughs> like I'll lose business if you know if I put my name on this as the engineer, and there's all that hiss and everything. Yeah. But so what was he? What were they? What were they tracking on? Like what were they? Was it? Pro it was a Tascam three eighty eight like uh, cassette uh, eight like track. A oh, it was eight, eight track. track cassette and wow. a lot of it, yeah. And then some of it. Then he bought a digital board. Some of it was on a digital board, but that's crazy. So all that stuff was, if it's on cassette, like, what do you consider the master tapes? Like, is it just sitting in the master his oh, bedroom? Yeah, I don't like, know where those are anymore. Wow. He's, I mean, I, he's got I think so we're much listening stuff. To the master tape. <laughs> <laughs> all right, y'all. 
You know what season it is. Tis the season for spring breaking and planning our summer travel. And if you're like me, you're already in your Airbnb app trying to find which spot is right for you. Now, listen, while I'm looking to spend all this money, what I'm not doing is thinking about making money with Airbnb. See, you got to change your mind state. Make the money while you're spending the money. How, you say, Laia, do I make the money? Well, you host at your house. And I know what you're thinking. I mean, my whole house? Uh, Well, no, you don't have to do your whole house. I mean, you could do a room or, you know, do the whole house. So make some money while you're spending some money this summer. I'm trying to tell you, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. So uh, can you explain to our listeners how uh, Dilla and Ann Matlib eventually began to collaborate? Like, was it just that Dilla stuff was just out there in the... First of all, like, how does... how? Mm. Well, I met Dilla through House Shoes. Um, I put out my own record called Peanut Butter Breaks in 1994, and it was a breakbeat album of all my instrumentals. Mm-hmm. And House Shoes worked at a record store, and my number was on the record, so he called. It was my pager, and, and you know I hit him back, and he was buying copies of my record for the record store, and he was like, hey, this guy JD, like he likes your record, and he makes beats too, and you know this is before... Uh, was yeah, it right. was like 94, 95. And then when Lupac came out, JD, or not JD, uh, Shoes was still at that record store, like, mm-hmm. yo, Lupac, you know, my guy JD, JD, everything was, and he would play full JD songs over the phone for me. And I was like, okay, that's cool, but you know, you can't really hear, you can only hear so much. Get on the an phone. idea. Yeah, of yeah. Right. Um, but then he, one day while I was still at the distributor, Shoes was like, I'm sitting on all these. Uh, unreleased JD remixes because the major labels ask him to do remixes and then they they never accept them. Right. So, you know, it was like Q-Tip was his manager hooking him up with a lot of stuff. And so he was like, me and JD want to do a vinyl of this and we just want to do a thousand copies. And you pressed that up? Yeah, so I pressed it. It was in The 90- green, blue? Yeah, the green one. Yep. Wow. How many of those do you still so, have left? Right, I was about to ask about that. Same I might have a couple left, but like, Yo, man. if I do, yeah. So what all, what all was on there? What were the remixes? 
Um, well, there was was there a D'Angelo? There was yeah, Uh, the D'Angelo, the Das Effects, the Master Ace uh, remix. Which Master Ace joint did he remix? Sitting on Chrome. Sitting on Chrome. What? Yeah, I never heard that. Yeah, but that 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 it's weird because now he has there's four remixes of Wu Ah, but that one. That's on that green vinyl. Oh, is that different from the Sergio Mendez? uh, No, no, no. That's the one. That's the bounce. I have a sample. Honestly, I like the remixes on that album, but I didn't. None of it really stood out to me, other than the the D'Angelo. That was the me and those dreaming eyes. That was the one that really. One overarching question I had. So, how of the all these years? Our question, the thing we always wondered, like when we were making Little Brother Records, yeah. we was like, how did they avoid lawsuits? <laughs> Who's sample, that? Like uh, Lil Pack or oh, Stone Stone? Yeah, just in general. I mean, like, how uh, did they, if, if they find you, paid, you we paid after, Yeah, yeah, we always just paid, like, yeah. When they, Which, okay, so Honestly, since you're, since you're yeah. there, yeah. I get so frustrated because the version of the Red, <clears throat> oh, yeah. oh, well, that one. That we're stuck with now. Yeah. Because to me, I, well, I don't that, know. I just feel, was, yeah, go ahead. I feel like if Dilla uses your shit, mm-hmm. it brings you a whole new light. Because there's no artist that Dilla hasn't sampled that I haven't myself went out yeah. and purchased their whole history. Yeah. And I was like, ah, this feels like a red tape situation where just lawyers are battling. Like, how did you guys lose the fight in... On the red? Yeah, losing well, the original little, red sample. Yeah, I mean, they... So, the artist... Um, Chris Williamson, or, mm-hmm. she just she didn't like the lyrical content, and that's kind of basically what it was about. And oh, you said the the full version to her? <laughs> no, no, it was already out. No, the yeah. record was out. We didn't we didn't clear it ahead of time. Ah, damn. No, the record was out, and she she was like, okay, mostly shitty women. She, that's probably yeah. that's probably the only no thing she line, heard. Right? Yeah, mostly so, shitty women. <laughs> so that had to come off vocal version, but she was okay with this. Um, still like controlling the master on the instrumental version sending it to tv shows and movies all that no no one took it but i mean i I would i would say she was cool overall i mean you know compared to like how people can be i guess about that who was somebody that was just like fuck that we don't um god i just don't want to say (laughs) because because there's probably other samples by them that are are in our catalog that i don't even know about you know oh i mean a lot of the art yeah like a Was lot of the artists genre? that I work with, uh, I'll tell you. Like when we turn the okay, when the <laughs> mics are off. No, I just meant like, is it one particular? Well, the genre irony that's was more right. cool than not. No, yeah, I think overall, I think who's the least cool are um, the people who never made it. I think older, yeah, older. The artists who never made it, like an artist like Stevie Wonder, for example. Okay, like we did a Mad Lib does Stevie Wonder thing, yeah. and we we did it as promo only. Then in Japan, somebody bootlegged it on vinyl and they were like selling for a hundred dollars and when we saw that we're like we might as well put this out and stuff and we did and then i met stevie wonder the first time i met him i was telling him about you know my my artist mad lib did a whole album of your stuff and he was just like that's so cool all love blah 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 you know um actually i did a i did a (laughs) oh yeah you have i I know you have stories. i did a tribute album to well, we called our sad lib because we didn't want to confuse it with Mad <laughs> yeah, Lib. Yeah. yeah, y'all did uh, you and James. Y'all yeah, did, uh, we did a. Y'all did got a bad girl. Away. Oh, yeah, well, yeah. You got uh, a bad girl. You got a bad girl. Yeah, you got a bad girl. Uh, girl blue or no? Uh, 
Little Girl Blue yeah. and and Visions and uh, yeah, I wanted to be the first meta tribute to a tribute album. <laughs> That's funny. <I laughs> we never got that. to not got to put it out, but yeah, I remember hearing about that. So so that never came went anywhere. No, I, I just mean, I, I just spin it at my DJ gigs. But you you guys were playing over the actual Stevie records, though, right? Yeah, but once we you know, well, what Madlib did a lot of times was he would take a whole song and he would filter everything out so it was just the bass line and you could hear a little bit. Just kind of like the Life I Professor thing. I was going to say, your version of The Meaning of Love is one oh, of my favorite of versions. Oh. <laughs> Wait, so was that under your uh, your gnome diploma, Floretta? Floretta? No, no, no. <laughs> that was just Chris Manic. Yeah. What made you want to do it? Uh, just hearing his song. I mean, I just love that song. The, the, yeah, the original. And then when he, he heard... I mean, when I heard, uh, yeah, Mad Lib's version, I just I was just messing around, see if I could do it. Okay, just yeah, sick, I didn't of, sick of being a hip hop DJ. <laughs> Wait, time out, <laughs> Steve. Be, all right, there's one loop. So before, during the, the the things fall apart period, we had like three or four Dilla options to work on before we chose what what you guys would know as dynamite. Um. But I was fighting for um, Dilla had chopped up uh, Steve Coons' "The Meaning of Love," mm. and he would only loop. I know not when, I know not why. Oh, yeah, all yeah, right. Yeah. And like, <laughs> he's done like a hundred beats based on that. <laughs> <laughs> like, I never wanted that shit to die. Like, I still have the the, yeah. the MP3 disc that he gave me, and yeah. I've tried so many times to to figure out ways to you know. Is that the only song Steve Coon sang on? Because no, no, the really entire s- album. Oh, oh he my does. God. I don't have the album. Yeah, actually. I need to get it. Uh, okay, so when I first got my studio, uh, I'll say like, uh, when did we start? Like, was it like 2006 in Philly when we were working on Game Theory? Like 2005. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, so like all the, the all the Steve Coon beats I made actually just wound up being released by uh, uh, Paul Barman's new album. Okay. So like a lot of my early throwaway demos, oh, somehow like you know 12 years later wound up on Paul Barman's record. But <laughs> I gotta hear that. Yeah. So. Yeah, but your your version, you should. Is that the well, only I, official uh, release you've done? Oh, uh, with singing on it. Yeah, uh, I did a version of "Get Thy Bearings" that was really. Oh yeah, that one was not yeah. good though. I, I remember mean, that. Yeah, <laughs> Donovan's "Get Thy Bearings." Yeah. Really? Well, yeah. Is it on? <laughs> oh no, I did. Is it on seven inch? Or yeah, there was a seven inch. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I did a. Can co- I, I did that? a cover of Bruce Hack also. That one I liked a little better. Okay. Can I get that? Do you know Bruce Hack? <laughs> No, I'm just, stop trying to deflect. <laughs> Can I get these? Uh, the get thy bearings, no. I'll, yeah, you can't get that. <laughs> was it ever sold or put no, out? No, there was a seven inch of that one. Okay, so. Uh, but, I, you know, the music arrangement on it was like kind of off key with, within itself, and I couldn't figure out how to sing it. And I, I was like, I promised these guys I would do it. And then, yeah, it was a mess. <laughs> I like I like off key singing. I mean that you know I think like Steve Coon like it wasn't necessarily off key, but it sounded so personal on that song on the original, and so that's what made me like want to try to re-sing you know something similar to it. Yeah, the entire album that that uh, was released on is 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 a classic record. So I gotta hear that. Yeah, gotta. You, you've yet to hear it. No, I never heard the whole album. <laughs> yeah, like that's the least. Uh, I know that Ron Carter is playing bass on that, which explains the. Mm. When Mad Lib filtered it on, right? 
And so this guy Steve Coon, he's what a jazz he's singer, a, or is it? Yeah, yeah. kind of looks like Larry David. Yeah, he's a, <laughs> oh, shit. he's like a subdued Gary Wilson, like a yeah. you know. Yeah, I Gary Wilson. If Gary Wilson wasn't on punishment, so like I imagine <laughs> Gary Wilson spent just a lot of time in his bedroom. But yeah, Steve Coon was like kind of a loungy. Yeah, lounge singer, exactly. Yeah, lounge singer on Fender Rhodes, and he just somehow must have had the the right monetary situation going on that all these heavyweights like uh mm-hmm. harvey mason's on drums uh ron carter's on bass like his his band was best dope. of the best but the entire album is nothing but like the meaning of love is almost Kinda like sloppy the, yeah the meaning of love i, th- I think is one of the, the least sampleable songs mm-hmm. which when, once i got the record and i realized like oh how come dilla always chooses the one that that no one would do. You're going to at least pay attention to because the other other Which stuff. One, what did he use it for? What did Dilly use it for? Just an interlude, or it was it was just a beat that just didn't. Beat tape. You know. Oh, it wasn't on. Like it, it didn't make a. Record. It didn't make anything. Oh, okay. But I'm still every Roots album. I'm just like, all right, now now Tariq, now's the time. <laughs> no more. I know not why songs. I mean, I'm not going to make it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So wait. Speaking of which, I, I, I want to know the process. What was your relationship with the the Breakestra Cats? Because even way before way before yeah. the Dap Kings, like Breakestra was yeah trying to go there on like raw '60s sounding. First of all, like where did they record? They were kind of early on it, but I was in the Bay at that t- at that time, so I didn't really I don't know their history before I got involved really. But um, so you just heard it, and but Miles was like a major, major hip hop fan, and he was more like Wild Child in the way that he would go up to artists and like you know introduce himself and stuff. And the song uh, "Ring Ring Ring" is actually about him because he gave De La Soul his demo. Oh wow! And <laughs> what? <laughs> ask, what? <laughs> ask boss. Damn, that's wow. but I guess yeah. Him, but he was really persistent, and then. Um, Prince Paul. He asked Prince Paul for Prince Paul's number, and then Prince Paul two, gave two, two. him. Well, they they make a the, a reference in the song where they say piles and piles and they will take demos by, by, the by the miles because his oh, name's Miles. Wow! Uh, wow! <laughs> what the things you learn yeah. on Prince Lo Supreme? Wait a minute! Did you ever tell Pasta this in S one? I think I've. I've asked Poss about it. Yeah, I mean, Prince Paul told me the story, and then Poss confirmed it. Yeah, damn. But the what happened I met was Renee King. She's from Philly. The woman <laughs> yeah, at I the think top we of the, about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Okay, Just okay. Renee King. Okay. Yeah, but. okay. Still has the same number. But they, yeah. So I guess he asked Prince Paul for Prince Paul's number, and then Prince Paul gave him one of the other guys' number as a joke to you know mess with the guys <laughs> in the crew, and then. <laughs> And then Miles kept calling the other guy, and then they were like upset with Paul, or you know, like <laughs> so it turned into this thing. That's the Miles. Wow, uh, <laughs> this is like when I found out who Old Man Johnson was in Raspberry Beret. I know. I'm like, who was Old Man Johnson? Jesse. Jesse Johnson. Damn. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Wow. <laughs> so but we put out that 45, and everyone was really into it. And that's I remember. That's how you reached out to me. Like that was my first time really talking to you, was because this Breakestra 45, and you're like, "How did they get the sound it to sound like that?" And I remember like I was still in the Bay at the time, and you called me to go record shopping with you, and mm-hmm. we went to Groove Merchant. That was like in the late 90s. 
Yeah, I remember you know I caught that off uh, hip hop site. The the live uh, mix. Yeah, 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 so did I. Yeah. I ran the fuck out yeah. of that shit, man. I love that. I mine came with that bonus CD. The bonus well, CD. The, yeah. the B side. I asked for it to start with the drums. We did an edit just so it would purposely start with the drum break for the DJs, and I talked Miles into doing that. But you had to talk him into doing it. Well, not really. T- I, not even talk. Just I Suggestion. proposed the idea, yeah. and he was like, "Oh, yeah, that's a good idea." Oh, okay. So yeah. Uh, side note: um, that box of records I purchased at Groove Merchant. Yeah. Still at Groove Merchant. <laughs> Since the nineties? Wow. Dog. I just like that box in Amsterdam. Why? <laughs> and the thing was the thing is <laughs> I keep visiting Groove Merchant and they're like, so Quest, what do you want us to do about the twelve what boxes downstairs? <laughs> ah damn, I forgot, I forgot. Okay, I'll take these, ring these up, pay for them. You don't want to give them an address? And then I just and then when I, once I leave, it's just like I forgot. I don't I, I think with me the process the 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 process of buying of, records, of buying them in the hunt, is probably experience. Because even then, yeah. I, I assure you, there's a hundred boxes that I've not opened in my years. My, of- my girl like teases me all the time about that. She's like, "It would be one thing if you listen to your records. Like you don't listen to them. You're always buying more." <laughs> like, Wait, you? Do, I have that problem too. You're I, doing something that. Well, now I'm doing something with them. But this is the thing. The thing that you're doing is actually how Boss Bill got here. At first, I felt like, ah, oh, man, I'm such a fraud. Like, I'm actually paying someone oh. <laughs> to listen to my records for me. <laughs> oh. Wait, what are you doing? Well, well okay. I don't, yeah, what are you talking about? I'm doing no, no, no. But the what thing I was, was talking about is I'm doing a vinyl bar. Yeah, but the thing oh. was, when you showed me the office, yeah, I saw like five Smurfs at like with all this vinyl. There's like, guys going-, going through it and just cleaning it and um, putting it in categories. And yeah, we made a Discogs page for it. So, so at the Stone Throw headquarters. I'm opening a bar with seven thousand of my records in it from my personal collection, and basically the the concept is DJs who come to the bar they have to use the records that are there. You're not allowed to bring your own records. No computers. So, oh shit, weren't? Yeah. So. Oh fuck that. <laughs> no, I used to DJ at a record store in Brooklyn, Brooklyn years ago, and I would only play the records that were in store because yeah. yeah, it yeah, made that sense. Was the record store thing, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It made sense. And it's yeah. a challenge too. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. yeah, that was always a fun thing. I get there like a half an hour early. Start going through the rack, seeing what I could play. Yeah, yep. I love that shit. Yeah, so people have to come a little early. So maybe you won't DJ there, but <laughs> no, I'm open. playing. But no, in, <laughs> open in, invitation. It's sort of like a the mighty have fallen. Like I'm, my fear is that that will be my last scene in Mo Better Blues with, with Denzel Washington. Yeah. <laughs> never <seen. laughs> Can't quite hit that note. <laughs> that is my fear. Like, I, I I tried practicing on Real Wax, and it was almost like I was five years old again. Yo, like, you I, haven't played with Real Wax in a while. I'm scared to now. Like, you don't no, really man. have to mix in this bar. It's like 50 capacity. It's more just a listening experience. And it's got, like, really good warm Mancuso speakers it. and... What's that? Do the David Mancuso right there. What? Yeah. It's no that's mixing. The vibe. No mixing. Yeah, that's the vibe. No mixing. Like, let the songs play out. Honestly. Yeah. Larry Levine was kind of like that too. Like his mixes wasn't really yeah. mixes. It was yeah. just, yeah. For me, I used to, everything had to be like <laughs> mix on beat. And then and then I started learning mixing on key and on beat. And then and now I'm like, I, yeah, I, I, I like I, switching it around. I don't, I don't even mix on beat hmm. all the time anymore. I'm just like, okay, I've been playing 120 two beats per minute for too long so i'm going to go into 125 and just totally break it you know change it up but i noticed with serato when dj's they want to keep it like yeah keep pace. the party moving the whole time but then you end up the same tempo like for two hours or you know i just like start slowly and, you know yeah usually up. yeah people that's true that's that's what people well, do too the gig i did yesterday yeah. um 
usually with those type of, of specialty gigs in which it's not a dance gig, it's more like I spun at a, a, a taco spot. Yep. It, uh, next next to door, throw. Next door to his studio. It's like a small and alleyway. You didn't even know it was next door to <laughs> I didn't. It's, it's, it's an alleyway that uh, yeah. can fit maybe 100 people. Um, but they basically just go outside to eat their tacos. And so I just show up, sort of ambush the party. And I figured, okay, I'm going to do my greatest challenge. I'm going to see if I can stay in D minor. For the entire four hours. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, so what's the song in D minor? Uh, half of James Brown's catalogs oh, in D minor. Oh, I need to get D down, down D, D, right? Funky D. Uh, any, any any song in this key? Uptown <laughs> funk. Okay. Any you. jam by Michael Jackson? Any anything in the key of D? Okay. Uh, so yeah, I I I thought I could go through it because it's a slow torture thing. I want to see like, will it? Like is Make it like Chinese water torture? Like right. is it some slow process of killing them. I got a good two and a half hours in, and then finally, like, let's get I happy. gave up. And I, I then I had to figure out what songs in the key of D that goes to another key in a bridge. <laughs> and then I finally figured out "Mighty Mighty" uh, in the bridge goes to to E flat, and then was, "Mighty Mighty" by Earth and Fire. Earth and Fire. Okay. You know, once I was in E flat, then I was in Stevie Wonderland. So then I did a whole bunch of E flats. But yeah, it was. But so you use the key function on the Serato, or do you I, I just do. like do it? Well, just, I live by that. Yeah, so do you I. Do, yeah. do you do Camelot? But it's not always right. It, it isn't. It, no, did it's you not, notice no. that? It's weird. I do Camelot, but then I got to correct Camelot. Because What's Camelot? What is Camelot? Instead of like A A minor or B minor, it'll give you like numbers. a number system. Uh, and so it's easier to figure out which songs uh, have like a um, complementary key. Okay. Because if it's like 3A, you can do anything that's 3, or yeah, 3A, 3B, you can go 2A or you can go 4A. Oh, uh, okay. Gotcha. But the problem with that is that uh, if you let the computer decide what the key is, um, it could throw it off. So take a song like... Uh, Take a song like the Jacksons' different kind of lady on Going Places. Right. But because the intro is a guitar, it's going to take those first five notes and think that the entire song's in that key when actually they go to a whole nother key. So it's... Yeah, I, I still have to clean up. I'm sorry, we fell in the vicious rabbit hole. No, no, I I just... I, I feel like... Uh, I feel like I'll be like Cool Herc, because Cool Herc even DJs like that now. Like, but he, why don't people book like, him? Hmm? Why don't people book Cool Good Herc? Question. It's so lame to me. Like, people aren't booking him. Well, I don't know. When's the last I, time? I, I, I never, I never get to see him in yeah. LA. Oh, okay. I mean, I've I've been to a few. I went to gigs. one thing in LA that he was at, and it was poorly promoted. And there, yeah, there was really not that many people there. Like, Cool Herc is coming to a party. I DJ, but I've never, like... Shit. Well, I'll be the change I want to see, then. Yeah. yeah I'll have Cool Herc. Rich Picnic. Yeah. Nah, straight up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> From your mouth to my ears. <laughs> no, actually, we do... Cool yeah, Herc. We do, like, a check. kind of a small, like, festival thing in L.A. We, we, we're we going to do it again next year, and I'd like to have them at it, so... All right, y'all. You know what season it is. Tis the season for spring breaking and planning our summer travel. And if you're like me, you're already in your Airbnb app 
trying to find which spot is right for you. Now, listen, while I'm looking to spend all this money, what I'm not doing is thinking about making money with Airbnb. See, you got to change your mind state. Make the money while you're spending the money. How, you say, Laia, do I make the money? Well, you host at your house. And I know what you're thinking. I mean, my whole house? Uh, Well, no, you don't have to do your whole house. I mean, you could do a room or, you know, do the whole house. So make some money while you're spending some money this summer. I'm trying to tell you, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. What was Egon's role in the label? Was he the business in or was he? Yeah, he was the GM. Yeah, he handled all the the business. Okay. So what was the, not the modus operandi, but what was at least the mission statement for Stone's Throw to be as far as like what our identity is? Um, at least back then, what was it like? We had to find the 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 elitist, the elite MCs, and we're just going to represent. Um, I don't know. I think maybe at that time it was so Mad Lib centric. I I I was really focused on his career a lot. Um, or yeah, maybe that's not. Yeah, how did you? There's just so yeah. There's so many albums that could have come out with him. I it, you know. Yeah, because my question was like, how? Because I mean, his output was crazy. Yeah. And so, it, as mm-hmm. an indie label, how do you stagger? Like, y'all was like the indie no limit and shit. So, it was like, <laughs> how do you decide? Like, the or, backpack lo- no limit. <laughs> y'all were the backpack no limit. So, like, with so much product coming, you know, how do you get all that product in just such a tight kind of pipeline? Well, Mad Villain and Jaleb, they were done at the same time, and we, we, we wanted to stagger them. You know, we didn't want to put two albums out at the same time. But yeah, that was always a problem. Do you guys register with RIAA? As a label, do you have to register with RIAA? God, I don't or? even know. I don't know. What's RIAA? The reporters at Industry, Ice T, Ice T, and Alzheimer's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think. <laughs> how do we register to be like considered for Grammys? Though? We've never been. None of our artists have ever been considered you just for have Grammy. To be a member. Yeah. Well, no, I no just, that's narrow. But like, all right, the recording industry, Association of America, that's 
who gives you the certification. No, but he's at, he was asking yeah. about the Grammys. The Grammys yeah. And that's, that's, that's narrow. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. narrow. Yeah. Yeah. Just become a member. Well, you, like the rest of the see, history. That's why Ask On <laughs> exists. So now you can just ask Jimmy Jam. Yeah. Blamo. Oh, yeah. I could ask him. Yeah. yeah. Why is he back? He the president again? Well, sure. no. I mean, but he's sort of he's the. involved. I feel I like he's, 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 the, he's definitely the Ronald McDonald of the. I feel like they use him to sort oh, of. He's the mascot. Yeah. Whenever we bitch or have a problem, everyone just goes. Well, I remember the Grammys. They had Dame <laughs> Funk as the poster of the Grammys. Like the posters were all over the place, but he's never been nominated. <laughs> wow! But it, they wanted his face for it. You know, it's like yeah. Wow! It's like, well, give me a nomination. Yeah, y'all can have it. Listen, <laughs> Mayor Hawthorne. Mayor Hawthorne. So how was? It, how did you hear how did him you do that? Yeah. Uh, so Mayor Hawthorne. Uh, this girl, Noel, that is in this group, fits in the tantrums. Um, she, oh. she was at Do Over, and I was DJing, and she brought uh, the demo of, of Mayor. And it was basically, yeah, just like two songs. Well, it was confusing because there were some re-edits that he did as a DJ, as DJ Haircut, and then there were some songs that were also, that were full songs that he made, you know, from scratch. And... Um, so when I first heard it, I thought it was re-edits. Like the Just Ain't Gonna Work Out, out. I thought that, yeah. I was like, oh, that's probably a, a re-edit of an old funk song or something. And then when I found out that he was the singer on it, I was like, oh, we got, you know, I want to work with you. <laughs> yeah, let's let's do this. And yeah, I don't know. That was it. We all did it. Does it, Um, because he did, the it was the first two albums. Those were, those were Stone's Throw, right? The first one. The first album was Stone's Throw. And second one, I think it was at Universal. Second one, one yeah. Universal. Okay. Oh, yeah. So Wait, we, what? Yeah. Yeah, the uh, Strange Arrangement was Stone's Throw. That was Stone's Throw. Throw. Yeah. And then the second the How Do You Do, that was. Yeah, that, yeah, was that, was that wasn't Stone's Throw? No, that wasn't Stone's Throw. So we. Shit, I never knew. I thought all of his output was Stone's Throw. No, no we, worked, um, we worked something out with Universal, and yeah, they took care of us, and they, they took care of his career, you know, for a while. And then, yeah. Yeah. And so now the tuxedo stuff, is that you guys, are you doing that? Then he, yeah, then um, he came to us with the tuxedo, yeah. Him and Jake one. Yeah. How have you handled, has it been, have you received pressure, I guess, to sell out, so to speak? Like, has it been majors wanting to buy you guys or absorb you into their system or we're whatever? Kinda, we kind of peacefully coexist. Um, majors don't, they don't mess with us at all, really. I mean, really? sometimes... Like with uh, No Worries, like, you know, and we put out, I, I discovered Anderson Pack at a nightclub that was like, you know, 50 people or something and put out um, the No Worries thing. And then Dre heard that and he signed him, you know, to mm. for his solo material and stuff. So Anderson's kind of on both labels, I guess. Um, yeah. That's dope. That's dope. He gets to do the under, no, underground stuff with us and, you know. But I, yeah, I don't think. Damn, how do you even determine which is which? That's an interesting partnership, though, because you say he does underground stuff with y'all, but like. How yeah, do you I mean, even yeah, I mean, I guess there's different levels of underground too. Right. But yeah, so it's not necessarily. But the th yeah the the thing that we have with him is specifically him and knowledge, knowledge and it's kind of a, a little more soulful musically, I guess. Mm -hmm. But I mean, well, yeah, even his own personal the Anderson Pack stuff is all over the place too. Like, right. That's he has what stuff I mean. with Kate Trinata, and then he has. Trap beats and you know. Yeah. Well, thank you for. No I would think that you know, at least in the in the case of Raucous, like Wendy Goldstein was just like, yeah, yeah. let's just purchase Raucous, and then with Raucous, you at least get an in-house A&R, right? 
and you can operate on your own. So no label, no major labels ever came to so, you and just said. Yeah, you know, actually MCA back when they had first signed JD, I think around. Yeah. Yeah, they, they came to us back then and it wasn't really like that interesting to me. Uh, Rockus actually came to to me like in those early days as well. And flew me out and wine dined me and stuff, but <laughs> but then I was like, I don't know if I want to be number, you know, it's the second priority to them. And yeah. um, do you find it necessary to quote take it to the next level, or for you, is there a joy in being sort of like the the underdog, the, the, the nice? Well, I don't consider you an underdog no. though. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I I just consider. I mean, can it, you I, make? It's just like I'm just without without getting to the business end of it. Is there a way to really make a good living in the shallow end of the pool? Yeah, that man got a new MacBook right there <laughs> with High Sierra. I mean, I do, I do. I have like two careers. I have the DJ thing that I still, you know, draw money from, and then I have Stones Throw. So, um, and which which is good because I would get bored if I was just doing one. I mean, you you do like several things. You know, you know how that goes. Well, yeah, because, you know, ain't nothing going on but the mortgage. Yeah, the mortgage. <laughs> <laughs> I think you can do it. I think it's possible to do it. You just have to You have to set your standard of living in a way that allows you to do it. Like, you can't. You mean being an artist or actually being an owner of it? I mean, I think both. I think pretty much most artists now are kind of running their own show. I mean, I think there's yep. not too many stone throws that are really giving you the a chance to do that. So... Pretty much now, everybody's just kind of, it's the Wild Wild West. Everybody's kind of running their own shop. So say like an artist like Sudan Archives. And who is she? Yes. Who's Sudan Archives? She's an artist on Stone's Throw. Okay. So say if she gets lucky enough to get good placement. Yes. On, you know, Grey's Anatomy or yeah. Insecure. And then, you know, usually in that situation, uh, all the streaming services, in, including Pandora, yeah. uh, you know, they, they, they start seeing... Uh, light and their shows are different the the population you know the, yeah the popularity glows and every grows and right. and glow but what i'm saying is damn breathe i forgot my question well not even a major label coming and swoop them up but for you is that an idea situation like oh yeah no we always like shop our artists to the you know those tv shows insecure and all, all that Okay. And and yeah, they do have success on it. I mean But I mean, can it ever be a situation in which an artist levels. gets so popular yeah. that it almost go I know that people don't physically they don't buy uh product gonna, as they yeah, used to. Yeah, they're not gonna buy more vinyl necessarily, but Yeah, but or, uh, yeah. is yeah. it is is it ever problematic for you? Do you do you ever envision like a date where it's like okay, well Is it ever no, a problem if an artist does well? <laughs> yes. Right. Thank you. Well, yeah, like, is it, yeah, is it like, bad for your brand if an artist does well? Oh, the brand. Okay. Well, I, just been, I was thinking even more well, so, like how back in how like I mean, in Crush Groove, how they say like if you have a hit record that can yeah, kind of the be only the worst thing, thing that's bad for the brand for me is if I put out something that's whack, and you know, the whack is just whack to me, I guess. Um, Wu Tang Clan went platinum. Tribe went platinum. You know, making music that I love and tell the roots. I think. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There you go. The roots. Did um is, uh, is Mad Villain still the biggest selling uh, record in y'all's catalog? I don't um, think Donuts is. I don't even know. Yeah, maybe Donuts or Mad Villain. I don't know. Okay. So you seriously don't register with RIA to know if your stuff is going gold or platinum or any of those things? That's a question for 
McGuire. <laughs> <laughs> I can call him. <laughs> yeah. So I don't. I mean, I know I'm, I'm sounding like an irresponsible business owner. You're sounding like a mirror real, right now. Believe it or not. Really, it's like, yeah, just the creative I do and, like, yeah, the, the business my guys do. And I, I trust them, kind of. <laughs> kind of. So where you are now. So <laughs> no, I trust them a lot. I'm saying, like, kind of like that's their role and that's okay. kind of my role. So where you stand now with the label, which. I actually love the direction that it's going in because, you know, like I love electro funk and mm-hmm. was it hard stepping away from the kind of the dusty, dirty, dingy sample basement rep- reputation that you guys once had. And now, like, I feel like the DMX drum machine is the new calling card and synthesizers and yeah. sort of like the sound of boogie. 80s I mean, we boogie. have some of that for sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you listen to the like maybe five or six of the new artists they're they they're all different and that's kind of what makes it hard for our, ident- our our identity but i think we reach like eclectic people who understand that they're not only listening to one thing like for example um tyler the creator stones throw fan but not because of the hip-hop like he found out about our hip-hop later like he liked yeah. us because of james pants and john t and chrome canyon and you know Mild High Club. He's going in the studio with Mild High Club today. So, oh wow, man, what's the word on Jerry Paper? Jerry Paper is my man. That's Yo, that's the sound. That's the joint. Your that's cocoon the is the yeah. Fu- that's my fucking record. Yeah. This is dope. Yeah. Well, how did where like, did you find him at? Like, how did um, go? He found us. He found us through Mild High Club. And what was weird to me when I found out was his older brother is a DJ that I DJed with many times. Okay. We've shared a magazine to cover together. This guy, uh, DJ Spider, but he's more in the kind of Hollywood, um, kind of like the Vegas scene. You know, the, okay. you see the Vegas billboards, and but yeah, Jerry Paper's like totally different from that. But you know, okay, gotcha. Yeah, I love I love that record. Shit is dope. Well, Bad Bad Not Good uh, did the music on that with him. So ah, oh, that, that is that's yeah. them. Ah, oh, yeah, okay. Okay. yeah. But that that's kind of the Gary Wilson vibe, like kind of like kind of lounge vocals. I think you know. Can you explain to me how you found Gary Wilson, like from Gary Wilson? What I, found rock out, I know, <laughs> I know. I found out about him through this guy who worked at Other Music, and he was like, "I, you know, I know what you're into. I think you're gonna really love this." And usually, when people say that, they're way off. But with Gary, that was like, you know, I that like I basically went in and bought like every copy. Like I found out there was a, a warehouse in Philly mm-hmm. that was sitting on the the red version of you think you really know me and i bought as many as i could afford at the time and gave them out to all my friends our spot on south street steve uh philadelphia record exchange yeah yeah does that still exist no that's gone yeah and other music's gone too yeah other music's gone they're doing a documentary on them right now damn yeah do you uh, sorry for cutting in do you you have like a jazz division uh at stone's throw or or do you put out any like besides we put out jazz, but we don't have a division. I mean, Kiefer's stuff is kind of you know jazz, I guess. Kiefer, oh, Southern Kiefer. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Kiefer is in Mind Design's band, and you're gonna go Mind Design. But like, I know, I know, I know Mind Design. See the archives? Oh no, <laughs> <laughs> no. A lot of these guys, yeah, they're, they're just getting their start. But Kiefer, um, he's a piano player, and I mean, most of it's like he's. Well, one man band style, but then he has a band for life. But he started in Mind Designs group, who's another younger artist. But yeah, most of our roster these days are like in their early early twenties. 
Matt, one big question I'm, I think we haven't asked. How did you get your name? Yeah. Oh, man. Such a boring story. <laughs> Stone's throw or, his, or peanut, peanut butter? butter. Both of them. Yeah. Yeah. Both, well, both, both stories are boring. No, peanut butter wolf. Um, yeah, it's just I I never tell it well, so I don't want to tell it. Oh, shit. Oh. <laughs> Does it have anything to do with peanut butter or wolf? I always have a different, yeah, different story for it. So. <laughs> All right, what's today's story? What, what's today's story, so um, my girlfriend at the time, we were like, 19 or something and her brother was like six years old and we were playing Candyland with him and we turned the lights off and started scaring him and he said turn the lights back on the peanut butter wolf's gonna get me and, <laughs> and we were like what the hell is the what <laughs> and this kid was super eccentric and um he made a whole book about uh, a wolf that was killing chickens and the farmer went and cast a spell on the wolf and turned him into a giant glob of peanut butter. So I still have the book that the kid made. Like, Wow. And I, then I started a, a punk group with my friends and it was, everything was all freestyled. And I just say punk out of, because it was just like, there's, you can't really say what kind of music, I don't know what it was, but we were always <laughs> singing about this peanut butter wolf in the band and I was showing charisma and he was like, that should be your DJ name. And wow. we were always trying to be weird. And, you know, this was like early 90s when everyone was, because my name before that was Chris Cut, and that was like just old school, that just was real old, yeah, simple. Yeah. It was you like know. rock ski or some shit. Yeah, so <laughs> Peanut Butter Wolf was a lot more eccentric. But I didn't think about it when I was 19 that, like, when I was 48, I would have to still be called <laughs> Peanut Butter Wolf. You know? Yo, man. <laughs> I think what should come next is uh, children's records. Like, you got to grow your own crops because, like, a lot of fans of Stone's Throw, you know, they have kids. Yeah, they got cheering now. Hello Black did a children's record, like, right when we first signed him, and I wanted to do something with that. I didn't know I didn't know the industry, so. But we're sitting on that. Yeah, I forgot. Yeah, he, because yeah. Stone's, uh, yeah, Hello. yeah, the first, the uh, well, I Need a Dollar was on. Yeah, so his first album with Stone's Throw was really kind of, like, future soul, like Giles Peterson, you know, like, and then... And then uh, Mayor Hawthorne did well with the retro sound, and Al was like, "I can do that." And Allo like, "Did I need a dollar?" He, you know, he went in with the band, and yeah, that did really well for him. Yeah, that placed in a lot of like commercials and stuff, right? Yeah, it was a theme for yeah. a theme song. Um, how to what was it? Yeah, how to make, make it in America. America. But he was really huge in Europe. Like he was, you know, playing festivals like really good time slots for like I don't know. 50,000 people or something. And then in the U.S., he still was kind of unknown because his money offers were so good in Europe. He's like, uh, I don't really need to like do U.S. shows. Or he, yeah, he just didn't have the demand here. He the only stone throw artist to head to the White House? Uh, Snoop? I don't know. There's, 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 there's yeah, maybe though. Wow. I mean, Snoop did a, oh, yeah, yeah, did, Snoop did one record with yeah, us, but yeah, yeah he's not a stone throw artist, but. Where where did that name come from? The Stone Snoop Dogg? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, Stone's Throw was my mom was my I I was asking my mom how to get somewhere and she's like, Oh, that's just a Stone's Throw away. And I was with Charisma at the time when she said that and we were kind of making fun of her and you know, doing the mom joke thing. And when I came up with doing a label to put out Charisma's music, I was like, I need the name to have some some like inner thing like an inside joke between me and Charisma, so that was it. Wow. So how how many projects do you think you can personally handle, at least are you capable of handling 
for I mean, the label at a time. I mean, yeah. we have the infrastructure to probably do an album every other month or something, you know. But um, I mean, there's yeah, it really depends if if it's an artist where they really are gonna promote themselves as well, and that you know they they want it to do well, and they they need more attention from us than those ones. It, it kind of works out because we we really like maybe do like four albums a year of like artists that are really get behind their own stuff and it's not a passion project or is it harder for in this era to deal with streaming and distribution and you I know mean, i think that's why the yeah the label's bigger we have people for each one of those things now but uh, yeah i don't have to deal with that stuff no, so much what what are your projections for the future like where do you want to see the label go and well, wait, you guys have offices and yeah, corners I mean, around I just, the world now, so. Yeah, it's it just really, like, um, I just want to keep having the ability to find stuff that I like. and How do you poach stuff that you like? Are you always on YouTube looking for, like, how does word get to you about? I do the YouTube thing and SoundCloud. And, or people just now coming to you like, yo, check this shit out or check out my home. No, there's a lot of that too. And even just going to shows. I mean, I'm on, I'm kind of on the front lines as a DJ still, but like, yeah, people slide into my DMs with their music or they go down they, in the DMs. Yeah, they they'll tag me like, Oh, the Peanut Butter Wolf, listen to this and but um And you actually listen to it, wow. Well, no, but there there is stuff like yeah. I mean I yeah, I probably how does stuff reach the finish line. Like a guy like DJ Harrison, I knew because of yeah. Bill and Fonte, but like how is it God, I don't remember how I found him. Um but yeah, the, every every artist has its own story, I think. It's different. What's going on with uh with Mad Because I noticed that they did when him and Freddie did the, the Pinata album. Yeah. They kinda did that themselves. Does he still yeah. work with you? Like what's y'all's relationship now? Yeah, um well Mad Lib, I mean it's kind of a long story, but basically you got time today, cuz. I know. <laughs> I, I need to put money in my meter, by the way. Where where are we at? Um, give me some money. A little extra for the run. For the run. For the run. I thought you wanted to buy some red bottoms. <laughs> Take my credit card. Okay. Well, Matt, yes. With Mad Lib, like Egon, you know, he used to run my label and things weren't creatively working out between Egon and I. And I had to let Egon go. And he basically took Mad Lib with him. So he gave Mad Lib his own deal, his own label. And so Mad Lib stuff theoretically comes out on that you know he still does some stuff for us he he did something well when we did our movie he did the he scored yeah, the movie and yeah. did the soundtrack for that and so you know it's still like uh, a loving relationship but you know egon's more involved in that yeah i'm sorry i had <laughs> Oh, yeah. I thought I was about to sneeze for a second. I'm like, <laughs> continue, continue. I'm about to sneeze. Do you um, look? Do you look at the sun to sneeze or no? Yes. Or oh, the light. You just look. Because I yeah, I read that like ten percent of humans can do that or something. No, I just I you know I hold my nose and pray that it doesn't spray on any of you guys. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, future wise, uh, what do you? It sounds like he said uh, every everybody's uh, mostly in their early twenties, so it sounds yeah. like you're set up for a minute, maybe <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, that's not future wise. I just meant like with artists that I, you know, artists you have your eyes on and that yeah. sort of thing. 
Yeah, I mean, there are people that I have my eyes on. Um, and what about? I don't like, think I'll mention them until I sign the contract. Until you though. sign them, <laughs> okay. Uh, as far as like, also you bringing back a lot of our old favorites, like you working with Steve Arrington and right. And is uh, Profit is he old or new? Like Profit, so Profit is. I feel like he's an old soul that I just yeah. Never no, heard he's of like I think he's maybe in his sixties. Um, he he did an album in 1984 that I, I discovered in the early 2000s, and I guess like in the early 80s that was like when I was buying the most records. At, you know, well, when I started really buying a lot of records, and I didn't know about that one until the 2000s. But when I heard it, I really was into it. And on the record, it just said Prophet. It didn't he didn't have his real name, so I had no way to get a hold of him. And I would always talk about him in interviews, and then he got a hold of me. Eventually. Is he from the Bay Area? He's from the Bay, yeah. Was it a black and white album? It is, yeah. Dog, yo. Yeah. Okay, have you heard that? Well, my last trip to uh, uh, the record store to uh, Groove Merchant because he always had copies of it. Dog, I think that's the most I ever paid for a record of an artist I'd never heard of in my life. How much? It was. He's okay. one of those artists that's worth it. Yeah, they told me. I actually me, bought one at Groove Merchant for six dollars. Like that's when I found it. Like in the early two thousand, I'm like, he must have like mispriced <laughs> yeah, this or something. Add a few but, more zeros on that. Yeah, panel. yeah, yeah. I like, I was like, yeah, I don't know. And the guy was like, Amir, trust me. Like I know like how much you want historical. Like yeah, rare. it's like print sound. Like just it's synth funk, but like yeah. it's really out there. Yeah, that's profit. Okay. Yeah, so you resigned them. I see. So we did yeah an album with him and Mind Design like this year. All right. Well. You know, uh, we thank you. Wait, I have one last question. That's problem. a good, uh, yeah. Have we heard the last of Valerio? <laughs> yes. I think so. Okay. I don't know. I haven't seen him in a while. We, we fell out. <laughs> you fell out with Valerio. Valerio, the homie, man. I mean, we should trade hair tips together. You know what I'm That's saying? That's right. We have the picture with we, you and Valerio. And I think Mayor uh, was with us that day, too. Mayor, uh, Lil John, and um, yep. Diplo. Yep. Wait, and that sounds like a, a premise to a good joke. Yeah, it was it was <laughs> in Dan Miami. It was Diplo, in little John. Yeah, yeah, and and yeah. So Diplo hit me up and he's like, "Hey, I'm I'm coming to your Stone Store party and I'm gonna bring uh, little John. You know, I want to introduce him to you." And I'm like, <laughs> right. "Oh, cool," but I didn't tell him that that I wasn't there. That it was Filario. <laughs> so it was yeah, he did kind of hard to like. It should yeah, be great. Yeah. Wait, actually, speaking of the one, one, one last, 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 last question, and I have one follow up after. That. Okay, then <laughs> I have one after. As long that. as we end with profit, like we can keep going and then back to profit, and okay. then that's the end. No, uh, for your DJ gigs, yeah. uh, you using uh, video technology, yeah, to spend. How long does it take you to find pristine prime copies? Of, I don't. I don't go for. Well, I mean, I yeah. At least I, the ones I've seen you spin. No, kinda... you're right. You're right. There is a lot of it that, that is, but um, some of it I'll, I'll I'll swap the audio out, and some of it I'll leave as is. That's what I was going to ask. Like, do you because one of those Michael Jackson gigs you did, I was like, whoa, how do yeah. you find such a clean copy of this? And right, yeah, that was like some. Yeah. So you'll just de designate a day to to. I yeah. add pristine audio on top of the video clip. I mean, one of the guys I work with like helps me with that because I don't. Yeah, I wouldn't even. Yeah, <laughs> I don't own technology anymore. I see. Go ahead, Bill. Okay, my last question has to do with the twelve-hour DJ set. Yes. Would you ever do that again? Yeah, but I think if I did it again, maybe I would like put more effort into like planning it ahead of time. Like the whole thing with it was, it was just an idea. Like 
it was December 12, 2012. I wanted to do something for 12, 12, 12. And I was like, I'll do 12 hours of DJing. And then I had all this other stuff going on and I didn't really plan it. And then, That's my dream. What's that? Doing a 12 hour set? Hell yeah. And this was, in the, where was the set? Why don't you do it at my vinyl bar? <laughs> you you won't let me music. use my set. <laughs> All right, right. <laughs> nah, I know. So where, we, where, where was the set? So, Where'd you play? Oh, I just did it in my bedroom. and But it was, uh, it was, it was for Boiler Room. Yeah. I don't know oh, if I can say Boiler, boiler room, room on this. But um, <laughs> <laughs> Yes, you can. It's fine. It's fine. So it was for Boiler Room and... I was kind of bored after the first few hours, and then I was like, I asked all my friends to like pick records out of out of the, my room, and and then they were just picking the things they were familiar with, and that was like what I realized. Like I, I should have probably just done it all on my own because I, I wanted to share stuff that people didn't know, and it turned into something else. But it was fun though. Yeah, you played a record. I bought your um. I can see the cover. It was a Peanut Butter Wolf, and it was just like a DJ thing you did. But you had a record on it. Uh, let love be your magic carpet. Oh, I love that one. I love that record. Yeah, man. that's a great song. That shit, that shit was so dope. Yeah. Uh, Michael White. Michael White. Yeah, yeah, that was what it was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, okay. Profit. Profit. Yeah. We love profit. We love profit. No, thank you very much for coming on the show, Chris. Thank you. Thank you for having hey, me. Bang. Congratulations on a great label, yeah, man. Thank yeah. you. Nah, for real. For you to make it, have been making it's it long. this long. Yeah. yeah. I mean, just I'm just happy. I'm yeah still like enjoying it you know like if i was doing something that i didn't enjoy i'd yeah i wouldn't do it anymore so i'm glad that i, I still like to do it this is it yep it's relies on passion all right ladies and gentlemen on behalf of team supreme uh boss bill unpaid bill fontigolo it's laia and sugar steve of the sugar steve network founder of the show <laughs> and curator <laughs> And edit and out my non-rap, please. Oh, my God, y'all. <laughs> please edit out my non-rap. My name is Questlove, and this is Questlove Supreme. We will see you on the next go-around. Thank you very much. Questlove Supreme is a production of iHeartRadio. This classic episode was produced by the team at Pandora. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Are you on the hunt for a new home this spring, but don't know where to start? Fisher Homes is your solution. Your new home should reflect you from the front door to the kitchen and even your outdoor space. Start your journey by selecting your ideal home site, like in a cul-de-sac or that's tree-lined, and then choose from a variety of expertly designed floor plans. Bring it all together at our Lifestyle Design Center. Let Fisher Homes be your new home solution this spring and start making memories at fisherhomes.com. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah, and some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby. Wait. 
Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.